everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode I'm joined with Eloise Shepard-Taylor. Hi Eloise. Hi Romy, I'm so excited to finally be speaking to you. I'm excited too. (laughs) So happens when two busy people are trying to like find the time. Absolute chaos but here we are. (laughs) We're here. Um, Let's get straight into the quick fire round so people listening can find out a bit more about you in a like fun way. Um, starting off with how old are you? I am 25. 25. And where are you currently? I always say you can take this question however you want. It can be literally, it can be where you are. It can be whatever, however you take that. Well, currently sitting on my bed, if that helps. Fair. Um, in London. Um, yeah, and I've been in, I've been here for a, not sitting on my bed for a very long time, but I've been in, <laughs> I've been in London for a very long time um so that's yeah currently where I am nice and what is your least favorite ballet step oh I think I don't know if this constitutes as a ballet step but go for it I have never liked a retire especially a rogue choice I know it's just Mm. it's the cramp in the hamstring it's the trying to get the foot above the knee it just was yeah. never comfortable. Interesting. Fair. Do you mean like, especially in a balance, like in a balance situation or just all the time? I think balance at the bar, Retiro Devon, nope. Don't oh, want really? to. Um, yeah. Plus I think the years of probably like PTSD from Signets and doing like multiple Retiros. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. I go to ballet class. If there's ever a Retiro Devon, it's always a coup de pied instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny I actually do love a good retire I feel like it's the one time where I feel like my hips can be fully open oh okay fair um, but it's different but like it's only because I feel like I can get the most rotation when I have one leg in retire versus like standing in first position sure I, it's I a bit of a random one yeah yeah I think that's just a me thing I don't think it's I okay <laughs> Well, that's what I love about asking that question. People come up with really good things. I'm like, I hadn't thought about that. Like, yeah. yes, I, like I get it. Like I do get it. Yeah, no, it's different. Imagine, but yeah, that's me. Interesting, love it. Um, and what is your favorite piece of choreography? It can be something you've seen or something you've danced. Completely up to you. Oh, like hands down, R and J, Romeo and Juliet for oh, me. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Just the choreography, like stunning to dance and watch and the musical score like Prokhiev is just it just like transcends you into another mm-hmm. world it's yeah like, it still gets me today every time I listen to it I'm like oh my gosh don't cry, <laughs> <Not crying. laughs> but yeah no definitely that for nice sure. nice and what is your favorite leotard that you own or like yeah that you own or when you were dancing all wow. the time I haven't bought a leotard for like a decade. Um, really? I think I'm just gonna go bog standard Yumiko just because mm-hmm. they just fit. They fit very well for me. Um, I have quite a long body, so like they always worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably have more Yumikos than anything else. I would say. So yeah, I'll go with that. Um, good choice. Um, and what is your favorite food? Oh, easy chocolate. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah I can uh sort of pick one out of the chocolate multiple options but yeah. being chocolatey and I'm there <laughs> yeah yes do love some chocolate yeah um okay let's go into talking about a bit about your journey and how you got into ballet and then how you got into I guess professional ballet like professional training and what that looked like for you absolutely so how I got into ballet I I honestly can't remember because I was so I was so young I think I almost just fell fell into it Mm -hmm. as a child you know my mum took me to ballet and 
it became though quite serious for me at a very young age and perhaps younger than I think I don't know I wouldn't say many people because I can't speak for the masses but like I remember around the age of sort of seven eight I was being sort of whisked along to different private lessons like being pulled out of academic studies to sort of fit it in to make sure that I was receiving the what was I guess considered the appropriate amount of training in mm-hmm. order to get into um a vocational school around 11 so okay. I remember it being very serious at that age and I of course like was dying to get on point and like I was at the age of nine I was like I must buy point sheets <laughs> um, but I think it was my like my my mom I guess took me but she never enforced anything on me it was just I fell in love with it mm-hmm. at a very young age and my teachers really supported me and um I think I went to Royal when I went to Royal Associates and stuff it just it became I think I started to realize that I could actually do this as a career Mm -hmm. which is a weird realization to have as an eight-year-old but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's how it started and then sort of moving on into vocational school is obviously when it really did start to progress Mm -hmm. very much Mm -hmm. which I can go I can go into sort of like vocational school or however you want to go yeah so you you did associates. Um, was that from the age of eleven, or did you go from earlier? Was that God? I JA so around. Well, that's so, earlier. So eight, that is. Uh, I think it was like very young. Yeah, uh, JA's is really young. I think, or is it eleven? I don't know. No, I think it's younger. I think. Yeah. I remember, and I was also doing so like Chiquetti. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, so I was going up. I remember going up every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, London uh with my parents which yeah it was crazy I didn't I didn't think I had a day off because <laughs> at school Monday to Friday and then doing that at the weekends and I think that commitment that level of commitment did sort of progress me further into the vocational setting mm-hmm. um which was a really really hard decision I think for me because I loved being at home Mm-hmm. I was a real homebody like uh, we lived in the countryside like in a gorgeous house with my parents and my brother and we had lots of animals and like I was obsessed with being outside and with nature and like playing with my chickens like that was <laughs> my life and the sort of illusion of London was terrifying and something that like I could never imagine living okay. or like um so sort of that transition into vocational school was a very sort of tumultuous time for me and like I knew that I almost had to mm-hmm. in order like that was the sort of like the you knew that was the route that you had to kind of take to in order to pursue what I wanted to mm-hmm. and uh, that was hard and I remember sort of at the start of every like new term my like turning stomach was just like a recurring symptom of oh. going again going back to boarding school okay but it was it was excitement and nervousness, which mm-hmm. I think manifested in this sort of like irritated restlessness. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe in hindsight, yeah. it must be subconscious knowing that I was like going into an environment where I had to prove worthy to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like you know, it was expected to be always like presentable and smiling and competent and this mm-hmm. like upper demeanor. Um, yeah. It was a sort of like a foolproof method, I guess, to sort of seamlessly fit in yeah you okay um mm-hmm. right I've like segued very much into school life okay. right? yeah I mean go for it so where so you went to vocational school at 11 um obviously moving away from home and that age is hard yeah. and I think especially like you said like when you're a homebody and yeah it can be hard where did you were you far like where did you where did you go I went to so I went to many vocational schools <laughs> sort of moved around a lot which I don't think helped um it happens EBA for a little while I was at YDA for a little while and um I even tried Tring for a little bit and god where else did I go and in Central ended up at Central okay mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were for for that I guess like 11 to 16 yeah. you were doing you were really like kind of 
I guess like going, yeah, you were experiencing different schools. Um, was that hard, like moving around quite a lot? Like it, having to find, like, I guess yeah. I say fit in again, but like make friends again and like get in, find a routine and, you know, make connection with the teachers and all that sort of stuff. It was, I think the sort of the tumultuous was stages were initial in my sort of initial years okay. and that sort of settled from year eight it was sort of that first oh, okay it was the first okay that I was like all over the place and I didn't quite know where I wanted to end up but sort mm-hmm. of from year eight onwards yeah I was settled within a within a school okay. uh, and then obviously at 16 naturally one progresses somewhere else like yeah. and that's unanimous so didn't feel so hard at the okay. time you know that's good Mm-hmm. um but yeah vocational school for me like it was a bizarre time I don't know if you went to vocational school yourself mm-hmm. um, yeah I went at 16 though so I didn't kind of experience any of the little school stuff sure sure um but I I had a I did have a really great time but I think I was sort of like so made me gaslit myself into thinking I, I loved him more than I did. Oh, no. I think because I missed my family a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think ugh, if I like look back at some of my notes from when I was at school, I just remember like writing things like, I don't know, I, was, I was felt like almost impatient to say goodbye to like my family, not because necessarily I wanted to, but to sort of distance myself from my normality and to get mm-hmm. into the rhythm of school and of course, like I was never conscious of my tactical defense mechanism mm. at the time. And perhaps I exteriorized this as sort of incest- insensitivity to the harshness of living mm. away from home, especially in regards to missing my family. Mm. Uh, however, as like the sort of terms and years passed, interestingly, my defense mechanism weakened. Okay. Which like on retrospectives, I thought like quite, a strange reflection because you would think it would get easier mm-hmm. but the goodbyes actually just became more and more difficult to deal with okay mm. um, which I think was sort of maybe the initial like I don't know my soul was sort of like reacting already to like mm. sort of the harshness of the world but mm. I also had this sort of sense of like willpower and resilience and I was like yeah. no I can push through mm. but it was hard because you're, you're, you're in an environment comparable to big brother do you know what I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> it was sort of the essential to like keep up appearances and behavior to match the required code of conduct and like yeah. keep absolutely equilibrium across the like, school it's just a simple like lack of like manners could ruin your career <laughs> that's yeah. what you're told or led to believe yeah um, and you know some days were too much to deal with and it was a lot and I just wanted to feel like I was in a safe space a safe space um but there were also like times where like you sort of felt like you had a family in a weird way I guess mm-hmm. um and I think that's when like your friends and mm. your peers are so so important and I'm still yeah. like friends with them today and interestingly at the time I always seemed happier and more content within school mm-hmm um and sort of surrounded by my peers and dancing than I did at home mm-hmm. but I and when I was at home I kind of felt slightly agitated and yeah. unbalanced mm-hmm. I think that's because when I was at home I felt like I was in a place where I could be who I wanted to be mm. that would not necessarily be accepted within the world I was hoping to pursue or wanting to pursue um but uh, I don't know it's, it's yeah. a lot <laughs> it's a lot it's hard and I I think a lot of people will relate especially because it's hard, like when you move away from home and you know the goodbye for some people like you said the goodbye the goodbyes got harder um yeah. but I also think that when we're home you know you have this feeling that well I have always kind of had this feeling that I could never really relax yeah. Only because more of like, I mean, it's a similar feeling like I had with COVID. Like you kind of have this feeling like, oh, like I have to keep going. Like, but then it becomes a whole thing about like rest and like 
expectations from your teachers and this whole idea that you have to like kind of keep working and Mm -hmm. you know I mean you know we know we have to rest but I think especially when I was younger I didn't realize the extent of switching off that I had to do oh absolutely and also it's that like switching off and that time of sort of I know solitude and quiet mm-hmm. then your mind starts whirling <laughs> yeah well exactly and, yeah questioning what you're doing and mm-hmm. I think yeah I definitely my busyness within school acted as a anesthetic to okay. many things okay. for sure for sure yeah but, I, it, it wasn't all bad you know I don't want to come out no of course like I had some amazing memories and I actually wouldn't change it for the world like it's yeah. made who I am today and yeah got through it and I'm often amazed actually how we do live through such institutions mm-hmm. like oblivious acceptance um for this sort of I don't know a perceived normality um and that how we have to how we think we have to adopt this way of life mm-hmm and sort of any other way would be detrimental um this is why I'm trying to like pave the way in a different direction but I'm sure we'll get on to that <laughs> yeah we will um more about like I guess like, things you struggle with during school um if you're happy to talk about them and I guess what I like to I guess like talk about is I guess your support but also how maybe from school to now how you're mindset and when you're looking back on how you kind of may have dealt with a situation or kind of come out of a situation um because actually you know as you get older you grow and you look back and think like oh like that was hard like would I have done this differently or I don't it's hard to explain but I guess like because a lot of the listeners are going to be younger and going to be in vocational school and essentially like what you would do if you were like to go back and you had the same set of challenges if that makes sense you don't have to go into loads and loads of detail but sure no no I I think this is so important and I think it does start within like education does start within the vocational schools and I gosh like to talk about <laughs> the challenges of vocational schooling you can just pick a few <laughs> yeah <That's> all... <laughs> from the intricacies of a tonju to life crisis <laughs> There's a lot in between, Romy. <laughs> there is, I know, there is. There's, there's, there's a lot of challenges. There is. There Anything is. that stands out to you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think what, looking back, mm-hmm. um, what I think I found most maybe sad. Okay. I think dance schools or vocational schools, you know, could have been a real, like a, a really like creative, expressive space. You know, at the end of the day, I know, like, ballet is an art form. Mm-hmm. It is to express yourself. And I felt, this is very personal, you know, personal to me. I felt during my time in vocational school, I was sort of reduced to a structure which required so much conformity against what I believed in. Mm-hmm. I was like, the, I felt a pressure of sort of unofficial mold um to like fit in mm. order to continue on this pre-approved path to success because mm-hmm. that's essentially like you know why you're why absolutely you're yeah and not like we live in a world where not one size fits all unfortunately you know and mm-hmm. not unfortunately because we are all so different and but you're made to believe that it is a one size fits all and like yeah you, do this you have yeah. to find you have to fit into what is perceived as the ideal yeah and you you go in like horses with blinkers and sort of live within this fantasy and as a result I think my state of happiness was solely dependent on the probability of achieving this success mm-hmm. and the pressures that came with that my god <laughs> um yeah it was it was heavy and I think at times it did it it got too much and it was tiring you know it was really really tiring to fight it all the time and I think 
the pressures and expectations they hit people in different ways Mm -hmm. and for me it was like I really struggled with perfectionism Mm -hmm. like two extremes where it like I don't know even like a single pirouette in class would throw me for the rest of the day and that would like dictate then like how I saw my day I'd be sat in maths class and I'd be like god damn it I didn't do a double pirouette on point today Mm. (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah and I just looking back I just wish I could tell myself like you were doing your best Mm. doing so well you were doing what you could at the time and I feel like there was no one there to to tell me that Mm -hmm. it was always like you could do better you could be better if you did this Mm. and as an 11 year old that's a lot to live up to 11 to 16 year old 11 to 18 year old you know you're expected to be adults and you're not you're just children yeah going through such a pivotal stage in your life as well yeah agreed even at 18 you literally still a child yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and I I it's hard to say because like you know no doubt the system has con- contributed to the success of so many beautiful dancers mm. and but it has also tainted the development of so many individuals oh absolutely like it doesn't but the success of others it doesn't take away the validation of people that have struggled I mean I think everyone's obviously str- like the industry is just so hard and it doesn't matter, I think, where you are on the spectrum in terms of, you know, principal dancer at the Royal Ballet versus yeah. someone who dropped out of school because their brain just could not, like, it's just, it was too much. But there's a lot of, like, then you, but we, I think it's important to question, like, how does, like, there's something, I don't know who, I love the quote, but it's kind of like, it shouldn't, oh, I can't remember the quote, ignore me, I'm going to have to find it. <laughs> but it has something to do with, basically, uh, no, it doesn't matter, ignore me. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I, to- I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Quote, no quote. quote um, or no quote, you know what I mean. Yeah, I absolutely do. And I always, I, I question this quite a lot. And I yeah. think, one could also argue like is vocational school nature or nurture is it just sort of like unfortunate nature of this sort of like beautiful art form or Mm -hmm. is it the way in which the dancing artists are being nurtured in so many vocational school institutions Mm. and I think we need to start asking this question because we need that pivotal change now like Mm -hmm. you know things are starting to progress but the ballet world is far far behind yeah and we need to start asking questions and standing up for ourselves in so many different aspects and mm-hmm. you know, very multifaceted. And I understand that yeah. it's take years, you know. Yeah. Maybe- oh, yeah, years, years, years. But I want to start sort of like standing up for those who are in vocational schools now because yeah. I know how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, same. Like, absolutely. Like, I, yeah. I think it's hard when you know, well, yeah, you know what people are going through. You know what people are feeling. Yeah. And this is like one reason why, like I really, like this is the podcast is saying that I'm one to keep, really want to keep, you know, doing because I want it to be a resource for dancers because I look, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, social media, social media, you see these people, you know, people can say, oh yeah. Like they can say stuff all the time, but I think, to hear it is different to visually seeing it. Like you can read someone's story, but like I think to hear conversations on a regular basis yeah, would have really helped me when I was in school because I thought I was alone and I thought I was just, I was weak and I couldn't, I was like, I was struggling because I wasn't good enough. Yeah, and that's because I think when we're, we're made to believe that and it's, mm-hmm. It's so unrealistic because looking back, I'm like, as dancers, whether you're in a school or company, whether it's assessments or performances, mm-hmm. you, at the dancers, I say like at an elite level, yeah. are held 
to exceptionally high standards, not Absolutely. just but by audiences and by the general public. Mm-hmm. People almost see you, I feel, as this commodity or you could even say robot. Oh, like yeah. we're not real and we mm-hmm. don't have the same doubts and experiences and sort of life as everybody else. And it's sort of like I felt like when I was perhaps more performing rather than at school, but like mm-hmm. when I was within a company, the pressure of like people spending money to watch me. Mm-hmm. So and like this expectation of them thinking that I have to be, well, me thinking I have to be what yeah. they want me to be. They yeah. want who I want who they want me and who they expect me to be mm-hmm. rather than who I am. And like going on to stage just became this sort of like terrifying concept of like what if I mess up what was if I like do Mm -hmm. something wrong and from going from a child of something that is like I loved like you couldn't get me off the stage as a child like I was all there like yeah whether it's ballet MT singing Mm -hmm. I can't sing to save my life but oh did I do it you were there (laughs) I was there (laughs) Um, but it ruined it for me Mm -hmm. and I think that's such a shame because we are human we're not we're not robots yeah and I don't know I'm not sure how to like lowering expectations you know which Mm. we have to do in like as like I guess like type a personalities or people who Mm. are like that is a coping mechanism Mm. but I don't know how we can do that yet (laughs) yeah (laughs) It's really hard because I think a lot of particularly, like I just felt through a lot of my training and even I guess professional career, whether it be by peers, but also teachers, that there's this expectation to be like a machine. That's like what I always had in my head. Like I kind of had this idea that like I had to be a machine, not in a like the way I moved obviously, but in the way that you kind of kept, a certain standard and that like every day like you know say you had a good turning day one day the -hmm. next day if it was worse that's so embarrassing like that's how like it's how I felt and I was like you know if I should just every day should be incrementally like I should be getting better I should be able to keep this up yeah but it's and then like you were saying earlier like that would be like dampen your whole day and you'd be thinking about it like that is awful and I think that idea of perfectionism and trying to maintain a certain standard in like an only up going upwards motion like of constantly getting better and improving it ruins like it ruins dancing for so many people it does and it it should be you know it it should be hard like ballet is challenging don't you yeah also should be fun Mm -hmm. so it it shouldn't become so detrimental to your mental health that you have this sort of thought rumination process where you think about it constantly. It's not healthy because of the sort of the way in which the institutions are right now Mm -hmm. or when, I'm sorry, maybe not even right now because I'm not in an institution right now, but back when I was, it becomes very much that because you're so enclosed. You can't, like I couldn't see the word, Good for the trees like it was my world like yeah you know you're so isolated yeah and all you know is the people like the people around you are also in the same situation mm. you, there's no escaping it mm. and as a child like I can't watch any more children or adolescents or teenagers go through that because it breaks mm. my mm. it does and these are children we're dealing with you mm-hmm. know young minds that are susceptible to like doing whatever you tell them Mm -hmm. and it can create such a toxic mindset yeah and these people you know people within these institutions and within the power who have the power Mm -hmm. have to take responsibility for that and account Mm. and that's sort of where I'm hoping to go with my career um and sort of like educating myself mm-hmm. in and hopefully educate or empower or enlighten mm-hmm. and yeah. 
like you said like you know you it's not going to be as like a sort of you're not going to progress every single day and Mm -hmm. especially I think within female and like women and um like athletes in sports and and dancers like Mm -hmm. hormonal fluctuations don't allow you to do that unfortunately (laughs) there's times where it's freaking tough yeah (laughs) and but yeah there's that expectation of like oh it doesn't exist Mm. you you fight that so hard I actually taking it back to sort of like what I struggled with at school mm-hmm. was like really fighting that onset of puberty because okay. I was so worried it was going to derail my career. Okay. Not just mm-hmm. from like a a physical um point of view, but from a mental point of view. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel tired, you know, it's messy, like it's stigmatized you know it's seen as this thing that's like really gross and ballet uniform is really not made for it (laughs) no Um, that's absolutely very true it makes you feel uncomfortable and I think you know sometimes as a a dancer fighting that the only way you can control that is by exercise levels and weight Mm -hmm. Uh, we really need this to change like I feel so passionately about this because the ramifications that this has later on in your life huge huge it's yeah. like you know yeah. and oh, I don't oh, No, I completely <laughs> agree because that's the same that was the same situation to, for me um I and it got in the way of so much experiences that I could have had and like social experiences like I really tried not to go out and it's really sad when I look back about it like I guess like because like I started my period quite late like very late (laughs) very late and it's still something that I struggle with now because it's not consistent TMI but the girlies are listening you gotta you gotta know you'll get it um yeah but during school like I almost wore that like like a little badge of honor. I was like, yeah, guys, oh. I haven't started my period yet. Like I haven't hit puberty really. Like, mm-hmm. and it was something that like, I was so scared because I was like, if I get my period, that means I'm a woman and I don't, I'm not ready to be a woman yet. I don't want to be one. I don't want my body to change. I don't, I don't want, but I don't want it. And no. that was something that's every day, like always having to challenge that thought because it's scary. And I think that is a very universal thought within females within the ballet and sport industry as well. Mm. And it's, it's terrible. It's <laughs> it really awful. Is. No one should ever feel like that or think that. And I think, well, we can't do that. It's glorified. And yeah. I remember it, it was a common discussion within like the changing rooms. We'd be like, oh, I've missed my period. And like, it'd be such an achievement, you know, mm. it'd be like, oh good like you you know you're so underweight and you are exercising so so much that your body can't possibly function properly (laughs) and that should not be an achievement (laughs) I think like a period was a rite of passage to womanhood and at the time womanhood didn't stand for anything I wanted yes I know so and luckily like now there's a lot more research being done but back then there wasn't much research into the menstrual cycle mm. um, and sort of the understanding that it's far more than this cusp into womanhood and yeah. sort of the impact it has on our immune systems, um, mental health, libido, like recovery rates, like hormones, pain tolerance, these are all vital, you know, mm. I, um, God, I don't even quote me on this, but I think I was reading, it was probably like six months ago or something now that the American obstetrics and gynecology want to add the menstrual cycle as the fifth vital sign of health. Okay, um, yeah. Like heartbeat, breathing rate. Yeah. Um, because it is, su- it has such um, wider systemic problems. Mm-hmm. You don't have it or there is issues with it. Yeah. I think I mean this is my personal opinion but I reckon if this was 
something men went through every month, it would be. Yeah. Oh, 100% agree. Oh, that's my opinion too. Don't you worry. I'm really pioneering the way for this to be a thing. Like, I think it should be, you know, a vital sign of health because Mm. your hormonal system, your endocrine system, it's everything. It's how your body functions. Yeah. Um, And there needs to be more awareness and it needs Mm. to be not stigmatized it needs to be spoken about you know we need to get used to saying the word period absolutely not being screamish or like and as do our coaches as do our directors and you know many directors in power happen to be white males who traditionally (laughs) don't love talking about this subject yeah I get my dad talking about (laughs) no no (laughs) Um, but it is serious stuff Mm -hmm. and I think the messaging when you are, you know, between, you know, puberty starts as young as 11, you know, Mm -hmm. that's 10, 11 is actually the average age, I think, within the USA, I think it's slightly later within the UK. Um, But the messaging, I think, within sort of the dance world, when you don't get your period or you have, so we have like primary amenorrhea, which is where you don't get your period before the age of 16 yeah. and you have secondary amenorrhea, which is when you get your period before you're 16, but then you lose it again for more than, I think it's more, th- more than three months. Yeah. And sort of like the messaging and the signposting around this is like, I remember people being like, Oh, Hey, you're, you're going to get osteoporosis when you're 45. And if you ignore this lost period, or you think you might have, or like you might have trouble having kids. Mm. Uh, and it's like what adolescent is going to think, wow, that really sounds like an emergency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Very I know, very, like, people are like, oh, yeah, like, we'll say that. I'm like, yeah, but, like, I'm not thinking about having kids and right now my bones are fine. So, like, how do you get that into a mind of someone who, like, like, how then how do you, like, the messaging, especially for dancers, has to change around, like, what are you missing out on, like, when when you're not menstruating? Um, because there's a lot and it affects you later it affects well like you just said literally affects like everything it does. in your life <laughs> no absolutely and that if it needs to be spoken about I think because it is um it isn't spoken about and it becomes um I've forgotten the word I'm looking for but taboo, taboo yes yeah. it's very taboo and mm. people don't like to talk about it and because it has like those years and years of sort of tradition and bias against it mm-hmm. it's going to take time to bring that within the education within companies and I think it needs to be checked I think it within schools it needs to be monitored like blood tests need to be done to check that your hormone hormonal profiles are there and also understanding that like you know yes when you hit puberty you might have like a little bit of time where you don't progress so much or like you might even step one step backwards mm-hmm. but knowing that's okay and like yes yeah. your body some huge changes mm-hmm. but that's normal mm-hmm. and like bodies need time to adjust when we yeah. a career ender or you know quote problem we teach teenage girls to fear it yeah which is not the right messaging and mm-hmm. I think it has to start younger and it has to be instated. Yeah. Um, because at the moment, like the systems reward females mimicking male body. <laughs> or pre- yeah. During an yeah. age. Yeah, which is extremely oh, damaging. My God. I know. And it's yeah. just so frustrating. Like I just, I wish even more professional dancers with, like larger profile like I just wish it was talked about yes obviously like I'm not you know obviously you can't go around like asking can't like can't really go asking people like oh do you have your period like you obviously can't be doing that but I think there needs like you said has to be more conversation around more conversation there and just even for like I feel like if it's instilled from an earlier age and yeah. there's this just more confidence and backing up healthy, strong dancers and yeah. supporting those dancers, like at a professional level, not just in school. Mm-hmm. 
because we look up like when we're in school who we're looking up to we're looking up to the principals yeah and if they all look like prepubescent children then that's what we're gonna that's what our goal then becomes absolutely and And it doesn't matter sorry you go yeah what you're saying is literally golden and it doesn't help that the roles that we play in ballet as well like you know if you think about you know Juliet Mm -hmm. Aurora you're playing 16 year old girls yeah it just reinforces that and we need to come away from that idea that you have to it's it's unrealistic to think that you're going to look like a 16 year old girl at the age of 27 28 40 whatever like yeah it's so unrealistic and I think we also need more female professionals in power from this can be psychologists to coaches dietitians at the moment we still mostly see straight white men Mm -hmm. Uh, and also I'm not you know negating that women are just as capable of creating harm as men you know like Mm -hmm. I believe that the difference is what we have sort of going for us is that we may have gone through something similar in our body you know Mm -hmm. we can understand those physiological changes those Mm -hmm. mental changes those hormonal imbalance because Mm -hmm. we may have gone through it yeah and I think that needs to be that does need to be addressed Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately I think what can happen and what can happen with women as well is that we tend to perpetuate the systems that we have been through and this is where I think we need like as our generation is that little bit bit more progressive perhaps Mm -hmm. we need to start questioning these things and it's happening like it is I see it happening now people are speaking out and I think that's incredible because it takes a lot of courage and strength to do Mm -hmm. that um but we need more of it Mm -hmm. you know what a fight (laughs) a lot of people and a lot of years Mm -hmm. 100% it is possible um but I do feel very passionately about that and it's also, I think, a question, I don't know if you come across across this, but equality and equity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think equality is no longer enough. We need equity as well, especially for female athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, female athletes are not elevated or re- represented in the same way, same way as their male counterparts. Yeah. And I speak out from like the ballet world but I know this is also quite apparent within the sports world in general yeah. I come under that category because it requires it requires you to be an athlete at the end yeah. of the day taking the artistry aside for a second you are 100%. an athlete um and I think we need to start que- questioning this for the generations of girls to come to make it's like leveling out those playing fields mm-hmm. we have now are living in a progressive culture where these changes are taking place but equity is about ensuring that everyone has the resources and the opportunities they need to achieve the same outcomes yeah even that means giving you know some people more more resources or opportunities than others that recognizes that people have different starting points and challenges and seeks to level I guess the playing field by addressing these Mm -hmm. different and I think in the past, like female athletes have often been treated equally or, you know, not so equally to male athletes in terms of resources and opportunities. However, uh, this has not always resulted in equity because female athletes face unique challenges, like yeah. we just about periods, yeah. hormones and whatever else, mm-hmm. you know, that male athletes don't have to go through. And, you know, of mm-hmm. course, I'm not, you know, male boys still do go through puberty but it is very different yeah the ramifications it has on your body 100 mm-hmm. percent uncomparable you can't compare yeah no you can't it's not, the same. <laughs> not the same but i think that we do need to start prioritizing equity mm-hmm. over equality in this context mm-hmm. um, to make it fairer for female athletes and to ensure that they have the support and the resources they need to succeed yeah you know can help also promote gender equality and sports and in sports and beyond mm-hmm. wherever else yeah um, so I think like from the top of my head again <laughs> don't quote me <laughs> <laughs> um when you, once 
um you've gone through puberty as a girl there is a mm-hmm. 10 to 12 percent difference in performance level between men and women obviously Ooh, okay having upper hand there yeah which yeah. I think you know needs to be recognized mm-hmm. and needs to be put in place to level that out mm-hmm. what the answers but it needs to be spoken about absolutely um, but uh yeah yeah <laughs> a lot I know there's a lot in there there's a lot in that um oh gosh I could go on about it all day um yeah. <laughs> Let's go on to more into your professional career and what, like, I guess what that was like in brief um, and then what led you to go into medicine where you are now. Sure. Um, Back to my career. So I, (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe how long ago, it's like scary to think how long ago this was. But um, so at 18, I went to, I graduated from Central Mm -hmm. and I went to Joffrey Joffrey Ballet in Chicago. Mm -hmm. It was a huge, um, huge jump. It was a big Mm -hmm. leap (laughs) across the pond, never having been to America before. And I literally on my own and was like, cool, here we go. Um, (laughs) My parents stayed at home. I couldn't believe it. Like, oh. fine. I was like cool yeah um and so I joined Joffrey Ballet Studio Company when mm-hmm. I was in Chicago which most incredible experience mm-hmm. wouldn't take back to anything like of course it was incredibly daunting at the time but I'm so glad that I did it mm-hmm. um really lovely company the dynamics were, were great I think they had a really healthy balance mm-hmm. um and a real diverse range of dancers as well as um, choreography, which was so amazing to do. And I kind of wish I would I was slightly older when I went. I think okay. because I was so young and just so fresh out of school. And I, you know, when you've been in institutions all your life, you step out and you're like, oh wow, there's a whole mm-hmm. world out there. It was mm-hmm. very overwhelming. And I felt that. But mm-hmm. I think within the sort of I was there for a year and a half so like within sort of that first year I became a lot more settled I made loads of friends and really really enjoyed my time out there mm-hmm. um and then I can't remember what I did when I came back um I did like a short contract with Ballet West mm-hmm. oh yeah I think I was there when you were there Yes, I went I, to Ballet West. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you did the Malaysia tour. That was it. Yeah, the Malaysia ah. tour, um, which was a lot of fun and had a great time. Met loads of really, really lovely people. So that mm-hmm. was good. And then I went to Northern Ballet for a year. This was like just pre-lockdown. Okay. It wasn't for me. Okay. Fair. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. And we have those experiences I experienced it you know I was there I still had a fantastic time performing um Mm -hmm. but yeah it just it wasn't quite what I'd expected which was I think a hard realization thinking it was a dream company but it just Mm -hmm. didn't um which is fine because Mm -hmm. I came back to London I got offered a short-term contract with English National Ballet which Mm -hmm. I was so excited about I remember being like Oh my god, yay, finally. Mm-hmm. Um and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. <laughs> and took that all away, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was sort of my company life mm-hmm. uh, up until that point mm-hmm. where it was when I slowly started to make my transition. Okay. Where I am now. Mm-hmm. It's a very slow process. And I think lockdown gave me that space that time to think about what I really wanted to achieve I think because you just you free fall into things when you're in back you take every opportunity you get and you just ride it you ride it out and I think ballet has always been such a central aspect of my identity Mm -hmm. um but I've also 
had an interest in things like medicine and dietetics and neuroscience and like how the brain functions and that has consistently been present Mm -hmm. and it gave me the opportunity to explore that although in lockdown I was so dedicated I literally did pedic class every day I look back and I think how did I do that (laughs) yeah I don't know how I got through lockdown either don't know how no neither yeah and to like I feel like a lot not many people may have like found this but for me lockdown actually gave me a really lovely opportunity to be with my family again because I mm. hadn't been with them for so long mm. since a very young age it was like it was actually quite nice yeah no I feel I, that I enjoyed it it was a very wholesome mm-hmm. time and I think it's something that I actually needed I think I was so stressed mm-hmm. moving back to London post Northern Ballet like the whole thing was a rather a lot I think mm-hmm. where they obviously been in America than Valley West, like it was just mm-hmm. all about mad. And that sort of like snowballed from leaving home at eleven. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it, just, yeah. it was just a moment to just be like like really reevaluate what I was doing. And like I didn't even realise I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I was. And I think that's the fascinating thing. Like I there wasn't a moment when in lockdown where I sat down was like right I need to think about this what's my five-year plan like where am I heading it was nothing like that it was just like this slow transition that sort of just um unraveled I guess Mm -hmm. but it was difficult like don't get me wrong um transitioning to a new career it was daunting and emotional process for me (laughs) um leaving behind sort of career as a ballet dancer it was I actually like associate it with heartbreak yeah like to me that was my first heartbreak yeah was like and god did it hurt (laughs) um yeah you you had to really grapple with a major identity crisis yeah as I figure out who the heck I was Mm -hmm. you know without my bun I was like what is this um I, I'm not a massive, <laughs> I'm not a massive Formula One uh, racing fan, but um, I really respect the four, the the sports. And to reference, um, Vettel, mm-hmm. Vettel, I got this right. His retirement statement. I don't know if you saw. Okay. Um, it was like being a racing driver. I think I've got it here actually somewhere. Oh yeah. Um, has never been my sole identity. I very much believe in identity by who we are and how we treat others rather than what we do and like mm-hmm. that really hit me hard like yeah. I remember you know what I'm gonna be okay like yeah. I'm through this like I am not ballet and I think that's such a hard realization to go through when absolutely it's um and you know what I'm not completely there if I'm honest I'm still mm-hmm. going through that transition now and there's days where like I really miss it mm-hmm. um, but I'm I would say I'm reaching a more sort of harmonious place on mm-hmm. my journey of self-discovery now mm-hmm. which is so enlightening and I feel like I've got to a place now where I really feel at peace you know I'm still you know working things out and working things yeah. through you know but I just have this sense of peace within me where I'm just like I've got this yeah you know, I don't need ballet Mm-hmm. I can have ballet if I want it it's there yeah but I don't need it yeah and like it just it's so freeing mm. it's no so that's freeing. so good and it opens up so much of the world because you can it can really limit you mm-hmm. I think. but there's so much out there like so much out there and all the incredible crazy wonderful things that you can do they just mm-hmm. come wide open yeah <laughs> once exactly. you get them. Um, and I think like one thing I do really want like I think for like maybe younger listeners not so younger listeners I don't know like whoever Mm -hmm. it resonates with is that um at the time I felt as though I was doing something really abnormal Mm -hmm. like I was like god why do I feel like this I don't want to feel like this like Mm -hmm. I shouldn't feel like this this is wrong but I sort of since come to realize that it's actually entirely normal to reassess one's career path and you know Mm -hmm. just use something that actually aligns with your values and normalizing that and not putting such this big like oh what are you doing like you've done ballet your whole life Mm -hmm. 
you can stick yeah. in it one more year and you know I'm no longer the same person I was when I was 11 mm. I hope not anyway <laughs> my life is like you know and experiences have shaped me in so many different ways that have led me to this new path and mm-hmm. I really hope to serve as a voice of reason and support sort of for others going through similar transitions mm-hmm. whether that be like within ballet careers and just to know that it's it's okay mm. you know it is okay mm-hmm. and but- so people are going through it and it's just not many people talk about it yeah absolutely um, but I also like I don't know I feel like I want to clarify my decision to leave the ballet world was not a reflection of the industry as a whole like and I still haven't left it I still very much have one foot yeah <laughs> I'm you're still, there like, you're still doing class um, I still managed to fit it all in yeah um, it's quite the contrary like I have so many fond memories and experiences that will hold such a special place in my heart mm-hmm. um there are things that need to change but like yeah. I still think it's an incredible and an amazing career to have yeah we've just got to um work, just work. yeah <laughs> I mean that's like like I feel the same like it's still a career I want to pursue and it's still something that I love so much but I still want it to change I still want to work towards being able to have a voice and be able to be part of that change on a whatever level but I still love it and I still respect everyone that puts their heart and soul into it you know like no you know and I think it's possible to be to feel both well it's possible obviously um absolutely I feel like by the end of it like I sort of had a semi like love-hate relationship I was like I I love it so much um I love the feeling of dancing like I that's why I still go but Mm. like uh it's yeah there was a it was an element of hate <laughs> and I think also it's stress yeah um, I feel like a lot of like dancers do get really stressed and like I think when that stress becomes overwhelming mm-hmm. we need to take stock and we need yeah. to reflect and I think when you feel that life is sort of like unfolding quicker than your nervous system or your psyche yeah. manage, mm-hmm. we need to take a step back and it's Absolutely. in the most difficult thing to do because when we feel stress we evaluate cognitively our thinking brain says like wow this is like demanding mm-hmm. my ability like this is over like I don't know how time to say like <laughs> it, the space is de- demanding too much more than I can manage well yeah more than you and like it's like that emotional response of being like I can't handle it and it's too much it's in those moments where it's hard to see that yeah and I think things can go wrong so it's like being so self-aware and I think we need to teach that in schools yeah well it's so hard to see that but it's also so hard to like acknowledge it be okay with it and I guess work around like a solution like how because I think for a lot of people that's like a point of yeah like they think that it's like a then problem rather than actually maybe you just need some time a hundred percent and I oh god yeah it's yeah never a (laughs) it's never a you problem and like I can't stress this enough and I think it's that message that's out there isn't it it's the thoughts that when you know a dancer quits or like takes a step back or needs a break Mm -hmm. you're sort of told that ballet isn't for everyone like you know and you know they don't survive it and this Mm -hmm. this may as well be a mantra in the dance world and we have become so entrenched in that sort of darwinian notion that we that the emotionally weak will be weeded out Mm -hmm. and there's room for them anyway and like if ballet breaks your spirit this is logic so it's it's not because there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. wrong with ballet sorry it's wrong with you it's like you know synonymous with I think you when you think like I'm not resilient enough or mm-hmm. I'm not competitive focus yeah. whatever you want to say not willing mm-hmm. enough to do what it takes to achieve perfection mm-hmm. and essentially just like you know I felt personally I felt I gave up years and years of hard work because I just couldn't take it anymore mm-hmm. and I felt that so strongly was on me I was like that's 
all on me. I can't do it. I can't take it. Um, you know, I'm just not good enough. Mm. And it's not you, it's the system. Mm-hmm. The system needs to change yeah. and we need to change that messaging because God did I feel guilty and stressed <laughs> yeah. for ages. Mm-hmm. And like it took me a long time to finally work that one out. Mm-hmm. Um and I really, really don't want dancers out there thinking that because yeah. it destroys you. It does. It really does. Especially mm-hmm. when you've been at such a young age, that thought mm-hmm. process is, has such detrimental effects on your mental health and your self-esteem. Um, yeah. We're trying to, trying to work on that one. <laughs> it's a process. It is a process. It's it a is. process. It is. Um, rem- you reminded me of my quote. <laughs> <laughs> which was um basically that training shouldn't come with a tra- trauma debt no which is the thing like mm-hmm. and that's what we're left with right those unsettling feelings that we just aren't good enough yeah. that we're never that we're not strong enough we haven't got enough willpower yeah. that like we're not willing enough we're not persistent enough we're not dedicated like oh just like never been enough and I think people, even when they are in the industry and they have like signed that contract and they are working, you know, that's still a feeling that people are feeling. It's like, why? Like, how are we getting to this point that we're coming out still not kind of realizing our worth that we can give? Uh huh. And it's really sad. And you have to find, you have to like find that peace and that home within your mind. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, sometimes when I, I look back, I feel like I can only see my failures and they mm-hmm. rendered my successes meaningless, you know? Yeah. And I think I thought when I was back at school or even in a company is it's either perfect or it's worthless, you know? Yeah. And that's, but that's what I felt I was led to believe. Yeah. Which is completely unrealistic. Because <laughs> perfect it doesn't is. exist. Exactly. It's just <laughs> not a thing. It's... And no, and like, like where does it come? Who, I don't know who decided that 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 was a thing. It's so annoying. <laughs> oh, I know, and like almost like I felt like there was a thrill in perfectionism, like mm. like that sort of discipline that ballet cultivates, like a satisfaction in constantly asking more of yourself and like mm. practicing until your muscles don't just remember the right way, they mm. like, right way to execute the movement. They actually just can't forget it, and like. I feel like I got addicted to that so much so mm-hmm. that it just it became too much <laughs> you yeah. know mm-hmm. it was a lot it was and I, I think it's it's sad that that yeah. happened and it's still happening now like you know I have a lot of dancers that reach out to me mm-hmm. and like because I'm not in a place yet where I feel you know I, I can help people in terms of like giving professional advice because I'm still in my training yeah but hopefully by speaking about like my own sort of uh realizations and process and Mm -hmm. experiences it can help others in certain ways and then hopefully once I'm qualified in what I'm doing um I really do want to go into sort of vocational schools and really like set that paradigm shift that needs to happen um pioneer the way forward with that but I just I can't take it take any more (laughs) um people going through it's no it's awful it's awful my heart (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm um yes on that note I feel like this is a really good place to round up so thank you so much Eloise um but before we go do you have any like last final words like last little nugget of advice for the listeners gosh um I would just say that anyone like you know anyone anywhere to be honest whether you're vocational school dance school like company or just life um know that you're enough mm-hmm. know that whatever you're doing right now is enough and that's okay you know even if you going through a hard time even if you are taking a step back 
it's part of the process you know time sometimes it's one step back two steps forward and it's a journey and it's experience we learn from our mistakes we learn from our failures and I know that's said so often now but it is really true and like some of my biggest failures have been my greatest successes and I'm look I always look back and I'm so thankful for my journey even in the times of where I've literally thought I can't do this like I actually can't push through and it's scary my god is it scary in those times but you do you make it through you push through and you get to the other side and you look back and you think I did that that was all me and it Mm -hmm. is it's you and in those situations everything you got is enough you know inside and protect protect your peace I always Mm -hmm. Really protect yes yes you yeah, protect your peace worthy mm-hmm. of what you think you are you know to really hold on to that in like trying times and I think that's so important when sort of you know trying getting through <laughs> the the wonders of the world mm-hmm. uh, journey but yeah just know you're enough absolutely I love that. Thank you so much, Eloise, for today. And before you go, where can listeners find you on the socials? You can find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just Eloise underscore Shepherd Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I also have a website, which is just, I think, just www.eloisesheppertaylor.co.uk, maybe. <laughs> I can link it. I'll link it all. It'll be linked in the, in the, in the notes for this episode people can find you um yeah thank you so much for today really enjoyed our conversation and yeah it's been an absolute pleasure and I'm so glad we finally got to do yeah, it yeah I know thanks for having me thank you no worries um and thank you guys for listening and tuning into this week's episode you can hear me same time next week bye